Stay the way, stay the way, no matter what life brings, you've got to stay the way. Well, praise the Lord. Thanks for joining me today on this beautiful Sunday. It's the 7th of August, 2022. And if you are interested, you're very welcome to go in your Bible over to Proverbs. I'm sorry, go over to Psalms chapter 35. It's such an interesting chapter. I just find that it's really key in this time. And I thought I'd lift it up in the name of the Lord. So let's pray, which is just us talking to God together. If you don't know what that is, uh, hang out for a minute. And if you do know what that is, please join in with me. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth that it brings. I thank you for the light that it shines. I thank you that it only takes a tiny little light to shine in a very dark place and everything changes. And I pray that that light catches like wildfire right now. I pray in Jesus' name, please magnify your word. Please Lord, just lift up all of the life situations for me and um, for my family and for my church body and, and Lord, for everyone who's listening, that you minister to us through us and exactly at the moment we need. Just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 1 of chapter 35 of Psalms says, Plead my cause, O Lord, and with them that strive against me. Fight against them that fight against me. So David's asking the Lord to do this work, this good thing. It says, take hold of the shield and buckler and stand up for mine help. Now, the shield is a full body shield. So think of the old Roman soldier and it's a shield that's literally like from toes to shoulders. It's a big shield, big, tough, all protective shield. Now, a buckler is the tiny shield. That's the small shield that's worn on the arm. Think of it more like a maybe a five-gallon pail lid, right? A, it would fit between your elbow and your wrist, and you can both protect yourself with it, but you can also go on the offensive. You could also use it as kind of a, a weapon of offense. And so we're not told to do that. We're simply told, hold on to the shield and hold on to the buckler and stand up for my help. He's begging the Lord to do this. Verse 3, draw out the spear and stop the way against them that persecute me. Say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. Let them be confounded and put to shame that seek after my soul. And let them be turned back and brought to confusion that devise my hurt. Now we know biblically this happened many, many times. Uh, King Hezekiah is probably the one that jumps out the most at me at this moment. And King Hezekiah was, let's just say, was surrounded by about 160,000 Syrians. They completely surrounded the city of Jerusalem and they were starving them out. And uh, the king of the Syrians was threatening Hezekiah saying, you know, your God can't save you which is a common theme that we hear today. Your God can't do anything to help you. He is helpless. He's a helpless God. And Hezekiah literally brought that before God. He laid down on his face, right? On his knees, on his chest, on his face. And he begged God to take this burden. Please take this from me. I don't know what to do with it. I don't have the ability to deal with it. Please 
He's just humbling himself. This is the king, by the way. This is, you know, imagine, just imagine that the president of the United States would literally go on national TV and lay down in front of everyone and say, God, I'm, I'm so sorry. I need you. Just imagine the humility, right, that that would mean. I mean, to, not to the whole world. Like, it would echo in the whole world. And that's what it did back in Hezekiah's day. It echoed across the known world. And God answered. And we find out uh, by way of in, in just intense cause. The day of, they were saying the jawbone of a donkey, let's just say it was th- like th- you know, $35. I don't remember the, the value and you'd have to convert it anyway. But it was, it was very expensive. Like who, one, who eats donkey, right? That's weird. And then two, the jawbone's like <clears throat> not there's not a lot of meat on a jawbone anyway like like do you think t-bone steak you think you know pork ribs or or something that's got some meat on it but here we're dealing with the jawbone of a donkey not too much meat to deal with on that and it's still very expensive and and there's this mocking that goes on and says you know even if god opened up the windows of heaven food in abundance wouldn't be possible tomorrow, right? That's basically what the the saying was. And what happened is God sent an angel of the Lord's army into the battlefield that night. And that angel destroyed, killed, wiped out 160,000 troops. 160,000 men through the course of the night are dead, gone. And the next morning, there are two lepers, so people that have leprosy, right? They're, they're diseased. They, essentially, they're going to die. They're starving because they've been surrounded for a, more than a year, a long time. And uh, they thought, well, we're, we're going to die inside the city. We might as well die outside the city. Like, maybe there's a chance. Maybe there's just a chance that we could get some food. And so they decide to go and they, they get out of the gate and they go out into the Syrian camps and there's no one there. They're all dead, right? No, no living person. Yet, think of what it takes to support 160,000 troops. There's a lot of food. There's a lot of goods, right? A lot of battle material, a lot of clothing, a lot of animals. Every, everything that would support 160,000 troops is just gifted to them. And so the, the city finds out, Jerusalem opens the gates, they go out and they, they just literally overnight, they have more food than they know what to do with because God provides in that kind of way. And maybe you're at a point, maybe you're at a point where you need God to provide in a miraculous way. I know I am. I know if, if something doesn't give way, I need, I need a miracle. Right? And maybe you need that miracle. And, and to be fair, I'm praying for that miracle, not only for me, but also for you. There are good things that God wants to do in our lives, but the requirement is, is humility. And without humility, without the literal laying down before the Lord and saying, God, I need your help, uh, he cannot do it. He can't help you. And so when we talk about you know, this verse four, it says, let them be confounded and put to shame that seek after my soul. Think of the, the Syrian army. 
they're confused, they're wiped out by the angel, and he says, let them be, let them be turned back and brought to confusion that devise my hurt. Now David is saying this because there's a whole host of King Saul's army after him. But we know this to be true. He knows this to be true from, from Hezekiah's day, right? Which is an amazing gift. He knows this is the character and nature of God. And he's simply saying, God, you did it once. Please do it again. And we can do that, right? God's done miracles in my life. And I'm saying, God, I need you to do it again. Not because I deserve it, but because you are good and glorious God. And, and I need your help. And I'm laying on my face, begging for help. Verse 5, let them be as chaff before the wind and let the angel of the Lord chase them. So it's interesting, right? He says he's, he's recalling the angel of the Lord would do the work. Let them, let their way be dark and slippery and let the angel of the Lord persecute them. So again, exactly what King Hezekiah, Hezekiah prayed for and God did deliver. For without cause, they hid me in their net. They hid from me in a net, in a pit. And without cause, they have digged for my soul. They literally are trying to kill David. And, and it's, it's not deserving. Like, he hasn't done anything wrong. And yet, there's this intense persecution, which is, is incredibly wearing. Like, it wears you down, right? It, it is very difficult to go through that kind of persecution without support. And yet, David does, right? Just, just for the big picture. David... At the time of these writings, he's writing Psalms, is probably in a cave in En Gedi, Israel, beautiful place with lots of waterfalls, but he's hiding in a cave. He doesn't have the comforts of home, right? He's, they're, they're out hunting, like they're wild men out there, him and his mighty men. And, and there's some 10,000 plus troops of King Saul that are trying to kill him. So I don't know if you've ever had 10,000 to 1 odds, but uh, I haven't. I, I was like, probably at my worst, I've had, you know, 1 to 1 odds, and that was terrifying. But literally 10,000 to 1, like, you know, there's no way that you overcome that. Only God can overcome such a thing. And he does over and over. That's the confidence in the Bible. And, you know, if you're not reading the Bible, you wouldn't be reminded of those faithful times that God provides miraculously. So let's continue. Verse 8, the let destruction come upon him at unawares, so he doesn't understand where it's coming from, and let his net that he hath hid catch himself into that very destruction, let him fall. So David's just simply, you know, reverse and saying, hey, let this all come upon the evil that's persecuting me. And if that's the case, I mean, I'm, I've prayed that prayer. I don't want that. Right? I, I, want, I want peace in my life. And, and if you are choosing not to follow God and not to, to look after God, I, I, I pray that he gets your attention through all means necessary that he would, he would bring you to a place where you'll say, oh, I'm sorry and repent. And, and that's exactly what King Hezekiah did. That's exactly what King David did. So we have good examples. Let's continue. All my bones shall say, Lord... Who is like unto thee, which delivereth the poor from him that is too strong for him? And yea, the poor and the needy from him that spoileth him. False witnesses did rise up. So people that are lying came up 
and they laid to my charge things that I knew not of. He's, they're, they're literally creating lies about David he doesn't even know about. They're just made up stories. Like he can't even defend against it because they didn't. he doesn't even know it happened. Right? And that's the way of the devil. That's what the devil does. I'm going to create lies and stories against you. And it's going to be at the root of trying to get you to stop. So I say, be bold. God says, be bold as a lion. Christian, you be bold as a lion and move forward. They rewarded me evil for good to the spoiling of my soul. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. So he's, he's literally saying, I just, I put on bags of potatoes, right? Sackcloth. And I humbled my soul with fasting. So he stopped eating and my prayer returned into mine own bosom. Now, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I sure have where um, I pray very often, probably probably the majority of the time, I pray for other people. That's my focus, is outward. Because uh, I see that that's what Jesus is doing for me. He prays for me. And so I think if Jesus, the God of the universe, is praying for me, uh, as he does for all of us, for you, uh, that I don't need to focus too much on myself. And I put most of my effort into praying for others, right? Praying for my my family. I want the blessings of the Lord in my family and in praying for the church family and praying for those around us. And that's just a, just, just a glimpse, right? But here David says, and my prayer returned into my own bosom. It's coming back to him. Like his, his mind and focus is coming back to say, God, I need help, right? I'm scared. And you need to know that that's okay. Right? That's, what, that's why this example is in here is because it is okay to say, God, I'm scared. I need help. But humble yourself and say, please help. Verse 14, on, on, I behaved myself as though he had been my friend or brother. And I bowed heavily as one that mourneth for his mother. So there's a sadness in this, right? And in David's case, King Saul offered his daughter to marry David. King Saul took David on as a son. You know, not not a not a, a birth father, but but literally an adopted father. He said, "You come and eat at my table." And and David embraced that and he's best friends with Jonathan, right? David uh, Jonathan is King Saul's son. And yet we see this sorrow that comes into David because he's praying for his friend right? Saul praying for, for, for a repentance for this to stop. And he says, I bowed down heavily as one that mourneth for his mother. So if, you know, if your mother died, how hard would you cry for? How much would you say, God, why? And, and knowing that your mother knows Jesus Christ as a savior, knowing that she will be in heaven and knowing that you'll see your mother again someday, you can have hope in that. But if you don't have that, like if you're, you know, if your mother doesn't know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, then the end result is hell, right? Hell is forever without Jesus. And no, I don't want that. And God, in fact, says he doesn't want that. He wants for all to come to know him as Savior and Lord. And so my prayer for anybody who doesn't know the Lord is that that would change, right? That that would have an effect right now, today. It says, so I humbled myself with fasting. 
Okay, and then verse 14, I behaved myself as though he had been my friend. Verse 15, but mine adversary, they rejoiced. So the, the people that are fighting against him, they're excited that all of this terrible thing, that all of these terrible things have come upon David. They rejoice, they're excited. And, and it's sad, right? It's a sad place to be. He's praying for them and they're happy that bad things are happening to David. And so they gathered themselves together, yea, and, and the objects, they, they all got together against me and I knew it not. He didn't even know. That's so frustrating. I didn't even know people were out there lying about me, is, is the thought inside David. And it's, and it's in cease. It says it ceases not. And with the hypocrites, the mockers in the feasts, they gnashed upon me with their teeth. So they're saying these horrible things that probably, you know, of 10,000 men, probably very few of them actually know David, right? They're just following the direction of this corrupt king. And he's sorry for them. And here they're, they're, they're you know, grinding their teeth at him. They're, they're just evilly attacking him. And he says, Lord, how long will thou look on and rescue my soul from the destitution or the destruction and my darling from the loins. That's so sad. I needed a drink. I gotta go back. Destruction. And my darling from my loins. In verse 18, I will give thanks in the great congregation and I will praise among much people. So he's in the church. He is part of a church. He is giving praise to God. Remember, worship is a key part of David's life. He's a, a musician. And, and so should we be too. It doesn't matter if you have no musical ability at all. God only desires that you worship him, right? And then when he does, you are the delight of his eyes. Can you imagine that? Like the, the creator of the universe, he's all powerful, almighty. He doesn't need you, but he wants you. And the moment that you say, thank you, God, his heart melts like a, a father who's watching his dear son or his dear little daughter. That is amazing. Let them, verse 19, let them that are mine enemy wrongfully rejoice over me. Neither let them wink with the eye that hate me without a cause. This is so sad. For they speak not peace. There's no peace, but they devise deceitful matters against them that are quiet in the land. And yea, they opened their mouth wide against me and said, Ah, ah, our eye hath seen it. And this is, this thou hast seen, O Lord. Keep not silence. God's, he's saying, God, you've seen this with your own eye. Please don't be far from me. He says in verse 23, Stir up thyself and awake to my judgment. Even unto my cause, my God and my Lord, judge me. O Lord, my God, according to thy righteousness, and let them not rejoice over me. So he's actually calling for a judgment of God, a perfect, pure, holy God upon his life. And you know, the reason that he is brave enough to do this is because he is righteous because of Jesus. He is righteous because of Jesus, just as I am righteous because of Jesus, just as you are righteous because of Jesus. That is, if you've asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin, and to be your Savior and Lord. 
So then you're not actively doing sins, the things that you know are wrong. Like lying is clearly a sin. You know that from the Ten Commandments. Thou shall not lie, right? That's, that would be a direct violation of the love and peace of God. And so if you've done that, just say sorry or come back, repent, get restored. Verse 25, let them, let them not say in their hearts, ah, we have, we would have it. Let them not say we have swallowed him up. Let them be ashamed and brought to confusion together that rejoice at my hurt and let them be clothed with shame and dishonor that might magnify themselves against me. That is so interesting. That word magnify, it's supposed to be used for God, right? Let the goodness of the Lord be magnified. And here he's saying, use it, use it against the enemies. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor and the favor of my righteous cause. And yea, let them stay continually. Let the Lord be magnified. Hallelujah. That means praise the Lord because God should be lifted up which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And so David is known to be the servant of God. He has the heart after God. And that's what I want in my life. In verse 28, the last verse, And my tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise all day long. Do I have thanksgiving and praise in my mouth all day long? No! That is... That is the huge answer, like little kids would say, no, no, no. And I don't, right? I, I mess up and I forget how good God is. And I probably come up with excuses and blame him for things. But at the end of the day, I come back and I say, God, I'm so sorry that I did that. Because you are a good God and I am, I am an unholy man. I am unclean. You are clean. And I'm asking for your purity because of Jesus' blood. You know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through the Son. That's Jesus. Jesus is God's Son. And so when you ask Jesus to forgive your sins, that's to repent. That means taking a U-turn on the roadway of life, saying, hey, I used to drink and sleep around and do drugs, and, and I don't want to do those things. And I just, I just pick three, right? It doesn't matter what your sin is. And your sin could be eating peanut butter. It doesn't matter. It does not matter if you stole one Tootsie Roll as a little kid. You are a sinner, no different than someone who has murdered thousands of people. A sin is a sin to God. It means eternal separation. These you can look up. It's Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23. That separation comes through one sin. And the fact that a Tootsie Roll can ruin me and send me to hell shouldn't make me sad it should me make make me excited because i know god is a good god and he will provide a way to bring me into a right relationship with him and he did that through his son jesus christ so jesus wants a relationship with you he is constantly knocking at the at the door of your heart and you've probably heard him and probably ignored him i know i did i did for years i ignored him it's like nope go away don't want to deal with that and he's so kind he does right? Because God is a gentleman. He does not get pushy. He's not forceful. Your life might be hard. He might use the circumstances of your life to bring you into a hard place, to bring you to a point where you recognize, like, I can't do this on my own. I need help. And that's the moment that he comes in and he knocks. And in the Bible says that, uh, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, 
right? So imagine you're opening that door and there's Jesus standing on the other side and you invite him in. He will come in and he'll have a meal with you and he'll be in your life. He'll have a relationship with you. Do you sit down with people you don't know? I mean, maybe an occasional one, but from that moment forward, you have a relationship. Does that make sense? So I want for you to know that Jesus wants a relationship with you. He wants repentance of you. And he'll bring you through some horrible things. I mean, it might be, it might be cancer. It might be divorce. It might be the death of a loved one. It might be the loss of a house. It might be the loss of jobs or multiple jobs or the loss of a limb. And, and God bless the military. It might be the loss of a life, right? But all of those things he would use as a stepping stone to bring you closer to him, not to push you away. Because a loving God isn't forceful. And wherever that lie came in, you just honestly need to take a look at the Bible for what it is. Do your research, right? Don't take my word for it. Read for yourself. And if you need help and direction on that, send me an email. Leave me a comment. The Lord bless you. I'm so thankful that this opportunity exists this day and time when we can pray for each other and be encouraged. And I pray that this finds you well. God bless you. You've got to stay the way.